0: And visit Bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. We're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
2: All right, everybody, it is Tuesday, August 8th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hello, everybody. I am Mike Keck. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Hope you're all having a wonderful start to another week, which will include another UFC event. It's good to be back home here in South Carolina after just an insane week in Dallas covering the Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz fight. What a week it was so much happens so much movement. It was just one of those types of things where we didn't really know what was going to happen, but we kind of did like, I felt like my prediction for the fight and how everything was going to play out in the aftermath was pretty spot on. Jake Paul is going to win. Nate Diaz was going to be competitive. He was going to have his moments. And the MMA fans would say, you know what? This is in the street. Nate would have whooped that ass. And the boxing people would have been like, why are we even watching this? And that's kind of what happened. Nate Diaz ended up coming out smelling like roses. Jake gets the win. No one's stock dropped. You can even make a case that Nate's stock went up even though he lost the fight. It's just wild how he is able to do that. It's really incredible. But being in the arena, the place was absolutely electric. The American Airlines Center was here for it, even though some people in the MMA space, MMA fans, they wanted to sit there and look down upon anybody who might be interested in this fight. I saw a lot of media members kind of stand on their pedestals and look down on everybody. Like anyone who would watch this fight is not really an MMA fan. I saw that take a bunch and I was just like, get off your high horse, dude. Like it's okay to have fun every once in a while. And you know what? That fight. while it's not Spence Crawford by any stretch of the imagination from a technical aspect. It was fun. Like it was a fun watch being in that arena was something else the fans were into it they were loving nate diaz there was not an empty seat in that entire arena by the time that fight started and they were ready for it by the time jimmy lennon junior started talking and introducing the fighters everybody was ready and it was cool to be a part of it it really was i'm sure it came off on television like the crowd was was nuts being in that arena it was insane It was absolutely insane. So for those of you who watch it, I think you got your money's worth. And I think kind of the fallout of UFC Nashville, a lot of people were sort of poo-pooing Corey Sanhagen's performance against Rob Font. I watched the fight. I watched it on my phone because I think the – I don't know if the Amanda Serrano fight was happening or was just about to start. I don't know. But it worked out that I could watch it. And Corey Sanhagen fought a smart fight. Swept the cards against Rob Font. He will move on. He does have a torn tricep, so he's going to be out for for a minute. I don't think the UFC is going to look fondly on the performance, but maybe they'll think a little bit more of it when they find out he had an arm injury and then tore his tricep in the first round. Maybe they'll be a little bit more forgiving, but it was a good win. I mean, what can you do? I know if you buy tickets and you see a main event like that, you expect fireworks. And sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. Sometimes you just need to hang on and get a win and stay in title contention. Because I think Corey Sanhagen's had a couple of opportunities. He had the interim title fight. He's been close. He's knocked on the door and he hasn't really gotten to that undisputed title shot just yet. And now he's still in the mix. He may not get it next, depending on what happens at UFC 292 next Saturday. In fact, I honestly don't think he's gonna get it either way. I think Corey's still gonna probably have to fight Umar and Amarga Madoff, anyways. Cause I think there's gonna be You know how petty that the UFC can be in situations like that. Dana Boyd reportedly left Ring Cage side area in the champ- like in the fourth round and was like, eh, I've had enough. And then just left. We didn't hear from Dana after the fact, but The contender series is back tonight, which means Dana will probably be speaking with the media. So maybe we'll get his thoughts on the performance and where Corey Sanhagen goes from here. But a lot to unpack from this past weekend. Other than that, I I think um, it seemed like the Nashville card was pretty good. I didn't get to watch everything. I did watch... The end. The finish of the Dustin Jacoby fight. I watched the Tatiana Suarez-Jessica Andrade fight. I watched Diego Lopez's submission win. That's really it? I saw, like, the Carlson Harris-Anaconda choke submission. I watched Cody Dirt and Jake Hadley. That was fun. I got to see Billy Q, Damon Jackson. That was fun. And then everything just kind of was more like highlights and stuff like that until we got to the last three fights. But it seemed like a decent car. There's some good fight. Dirted Hadley was great. Billy Q, Damon Jackson, no surprise. was great. Carlson Harris, what a comeback submission win. And then the, the main card was, was pretty fun. Big win for Ladovic Klein. Tanner Bozer. Gets a victory over Alexa Kamer in the last fight of his deal. Diego Lopez officially arrived. Kobe beats Kennedy and Chukwu. At that stoppage is a little premature, but it is what it is. We've seen worse. We've seen better. And then Tatiana Suarez is just an absolute animal. She's probably not going to get a title fight next, but she's in a damn good position to get one. She's probably going to have to get one more win, depending on what happens at UFC 292. Who knows? Maybe Amanda Lemos pulls off the big upset and beats Zhang Lee. I don't see it happening, but what if she does? I think if she does, Tatiana Suarez probably sneaks in there, but I do think if Zhang Li wins... They're going to do everything in their power to set up a Zhang Wei Li-Yan on fight, maybe in China. Just so They're going to try to make that fight happen because that's just a massive one. But all right, let's see what you guys have to say. Four-ounce sniper in the leadoff spot. Good morning. What's up, man? You too,
0: man. What's hey, up? Uh, so first off, I just want to address what you said about Corey Sanhagen possibly having to fight Umar. Please don't put that out into the universe. I do not want that to happen because I feel like we all realize what's going to happen in that fight. So let's uh, – even though it might happen, let's not say nothing about it. Let's keep quiet. Let's keep that on DL. Uh, and then second off, I just wanted to know what's at stake for the main event this weekend. I, uh, I don't really know what the point of this fight is. I'm not complaining about it, but I just wanted to know, like, what's the point of RDA and Luque? Is this like a loser is going to have to fight up and coming – you know, prospects? Uh, what are they going to do with the winner? What is your opinion on this main event?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, with the Sanhagen thing, I hate to put that on the universe, but I'm just thinking from a UFC perspective. That's probably what they're going to do. And at this point, the reason Umar couldn't fight is because he was injured, and now Corey's injured, and he's going to be out for like six, I think he said six to eight months on the MMA hour yesterday, at least six. I kind of feel like The division's going to move on without him, whatever happens. Because if Aljo wins, he's moving up. I firmly believe, and I said this on Saturday to fellow media members that are sitting up with me watching at the Paul Diaz event. I think the biggest winner on Saturday was Henry Cejudo. I think he was the biggest winner. Because Marab is like, if Aljo wins, Marab's in. Marab is absolutely. 1,000% 1,000% going to be one half of that title fight. It's just a matter of who's going to be the other guy. Now, could they go shot O'Malley if he's at least competitive with Aljamain Sterling? Sure. But I think there's there's something to the Marab Cejudo story. You got something there. I mean, you got it with O'Malley as well. But I'm just saying, I just kind of feel like Suhudo you know how the UFC feels about Cejudo. So I do feel like Cejudo was a big winner in all of this. And Cejudo came out and posted a video of his reactions and he basically thanked Corey Sanhagen. Thanks for that performance, man. You got me a title shot. And well, I don't agree. That's it. I do feel like the injury along with how the UFC is going to view his win. The booze. I think they're going to take that all into account. I do feel like the UFC is, I kind of agree with Cejudo. that I think they're going to go that route. If Aljo wins. Now, if Sean O'Malley wins and Marlon Vera beats Pedro Munoz, it doesn't matter. Meraba ain't getting the title shot. Sanhagen ain't getting the title shot. Nobody else is getting the title shot besides Marlon Berks. The UFC's going to do everything in their power to put that fight together because it's the biggest fight you can make in the division right now. So, yeah, I think Sanhagen's just kind of in a weird place. I think he's going to have to get another win. The stakes in the main event of, I believe this is UFC Vegas 78. Just kind of keeping your spot. I mean, that's really it. This is like, this has, it's not exactly the same, but this has Michael Chiesa, Kevin Holland vibes to it. I'm not saying the fight's going to play out the same. I'm not going to say like, you know what I mean by this. I'm just talking about like the stakes heading into it. It's just, it's just a fight. RDA's the wily vet. Luque's the guy trying to make a move. Coming off of a loss. I kind of just think it's there to just kind of keep a spot. I think it's just like, hey, there's two guys who are ranked who are available. One's a former champion. One's an exciting guy looking to get back on track after losing his last two fights and getting finished by Jeff Neal. And then RDA is coming off of a nice win in his last fight against, I mean, it was Brian Barberena, but he's got a win over Hinata Moikano, which that win has actually aged pretty well, even though it was short notice. Lost got knocked up by Rafael Fiziev. It's just a fight between two ranked guys. There's not a, no one. None of these guys are getting title shots anytime soon because of where they're at in this division. So I just think it's we're kind of holding on to wherever we're at, and and I think the winner or loser is probably in the same position where they're going to have to fight the up and comers. So yeah, it's just a fight between two ranked dudes. CV, hello. CV, all right, not getting through. Let's go to F- Four Corner Sports. Hey, Mike. So I feel like I get it. It's mixed martial arts, and
3: you're supposed to try to win at all costs. I really do feel like that form, even though he ended up getting hurt and stuff like that. And I think he said on the MMA Hour that why would he give Rob Font an advantage? But Dean isn't a really factor in those boosts, and it's never a good look that he's leaving um, early for a fight and missed out on a, on a presser. I just think that, you know, Corey, you know, even with the six-month layoff that he's going to end up having, we may not see him fight in some type of a championship fight, maybe within, like, two, maybe possibly three years, just because of the injury, is going to um, hold him back for quite some time. And then he's going to have to fight your Umars. Um, he's going to have to fight people, maybe like a Ricky Simone. If he ends up climbing up the, the ladder of the, of the division, I just think that this injury came at a really bad time. Sehuda was right about it. Um, it sucks for, for Rob because I really wanted to see Corey and Rob, you know, you know, just throw it at, you know, throw it at one another. But I just think Rob is never going to get a title shot, you know, just because he ended up losing and he got swept all five rounds. Um, and then lastly – I gotta say with Tatiana Suarez, I know she wants a title shot. This is her first fight, um, what is it, at strawweight in four years. I don't think that she's gonna get a title shot immediately, especially with Yang Jeanan, what's it called, in in the background. USC could easily make you know a good amount of money having Zhang versus Yang um, in in some type of an Asian, what's it called, the venue, whether it's in Singapore, China, wherever. It's both that could easily sell out any type of arena. Um, what do you think about Tatiana? You think she might end up having to fight back a little bit or just, you know, she's going to stay on the sidelines? Thanks.
2: Yeah, she's probably going to have to fight back because I do think Zhang Wei is going to beat Amanda Lemo. I think Zhang Wei Lee's is going to beat a lot of people. She has, I mean, she just kind of has everything you're looking for for a long reigning champion. And I think Jean's just kind of like, she's she's in the zone right now. So I do think Zhang will win, which means that Tatiana is not getting a title shot. They're gonna go, they're gonna do the Zhang Weili Yan Janan fight next, and that's it. Tatiana will have to fight somebody else now. Who is it gonna be? Maybe she fights Amanda Lamosh. Maybe she fights a Marina Rodriguez. Um, maybe they do Mackenzie Dern. That'd be a pretty damn good one. That'd be a good one. Maybe do Mackenzie Dern. Kenzie looked real good in her last fight. Could do that. Kenzie wants to get to that belt. She ain't getting the Rose fight that she wants. Give her Tatiana. She beats Tatiana Suarez. She's probably going to get a title shot. So, yeah, I like that idea. But if Lemos wins, they'll do Lemos-Tatiana. But, yeah, I don't think she's going to get it. I don't think she's going to get it. I agree with a lot of what you said with the Sanhagen thing. Honestly, I don't think – like, I think if and Font beat the shit out of each other for five rounds, I still don't think Dana would have went to the press conference. I still don't think he would have gone. Because you know what kind of questions he would have gotten. Nate Diaz about to fight Jake Paul. What do you think? And Dana wants nothing to do with it. Dana wants nothing to do with that. Dana – like, Dana's – Dana eventually realizes the error of his ways – in some respects, when it comes to the promotional side. And while Dana loves to go off and speak his mind about certain things, Jake Paul in particular, I think he has realized over time that what he is doing is he's promoting Jake Paul. By dumping on his fights and shitting on Jake Paul, he's just getting people to, like, fans who have no idea what Jake Paul, that there are people out there who are like, oh, Jake Paul's fighting Nate Diaz. Now you're getting, it's almost like a seal, a stamp of approval from Dana in, in a weird way. Even though he's shitting on it, it's getting on their other people's radars. And I think Dana is learning that, hey, anytime I talk about this dude, it's just helping him. It's not helping me, it's helping him. So I think he was going to avoid a pressure at all costs anyways. But I do agree the injury came, comes at a very bad time. The performance, I don't have a problem with the performance. I really don't, but... You know the UFC is going to, and Marab versus Corey Sanhagen is. I mean, look, Murad Cejudo is not a giant drawing fight either, but it's probably a better drawing fight than Murad versus Sanhagen. It's Sanhagen is a hardcore fans' delight, speaks very well, but Cejudo is the bigger name, the former champion, the Olympic pedigree. I do feel like the UFC favors Cejudo more in this situation. So that's kind of where we're at here. Let's see if we can get CV back in no, here. No, Mike, can you hear me? CV? Yeah, I got hey, you. What's heck up? Heck of a morning.
4: Um, just uh, one quick question for me. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dustin Poirier potentially teasing a move up to welterweight? And um, I don't know if you saw the tweet, but Shavkat kind of is kind of down to fight him. Um, I don't know if I want to see that fight personally, but um I think there're going to be some fun matchups for him at 170. So what do you think?
2: First of all, Poirier will never ever ever fight Shavkat Rakhmonov. That fight he will never fight that man. Not cuz he's scared, he just like what does that fight do for? Him? It does nothing for him. Nothing. Now, Shavkat Rakhmonov somehow becomes a the welterweight champion, which I don't think anybody would be surprised if he did. Maybe. But why like that makes no that fight does nothing for Dustin Poirier. Does nothing. I think the whole thing about teasing a move up was just a reaction to Nate Diaz. All right, I'll move up. I think that's just him saying. I think it's just him kind of having fun. And I think he sort of said that as well in some sort of a quote tweet or something, but it's just him basically saying, come on, Nate come on over, I'll move up to 170, let's fight. And honestly, I don't think Dustin fights anybody unless it's Nate Diaz. I really don't. What else is the, what, what else is there for him to do? Could he fight McGregor and just like end that whole thing altogether and just make one last bag? Maybe, but I don't think that's all that interesting to him. He beat him and finished him twice and Poirier was doing really well. Like He almost put McGregor away in the first and that second, in that third fight. I don't like Dustin's just going to take big fights, going to take big names and big fights. And I think he wants an date fight. And I think that's the only thing he's going to take at this point. Unless he just gets a huge bag of money or he, or he's, or it's a title shot. Somehow Justin Gaethje wins the belt and Gaethje wants to give Poirier a shot. Like it would not, it would not surprise me in the slightest. Is If Gaethje won the title and they just gave Poirier a title shot coming off of the loss, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So th- honestly, those to me, those are the only two fights that Dustin Poirier would take. Nate Diaz or a title fight with Justin Gaethje or anybody. So, yeah, I think that's what that whole thing was in regards to. Come on, Nate. I'll move up. Let's go.
0: And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience—
2: Uh, Drew, hello. Hi, you Mike. Good to be back. Good to hear you again. Um, Two things to start off. Uh, First of all, I don't know if you uh, saw we had two weeks ago Leon Edwards on a podcast. I'm not sure which one. Referencing that he's expecting a
4: 294-295 title defense against Covington. Um, 294 is just about booked, so I think it's safe to say that's not going to be a win. Maybe the November appearance in MSG. So, uh, I was just wondering what you think happened with that. And in the whole McGregor situation, calling out Mayweather, Chandler seems to be off.
2: What do you think about that? So, lots to kind of unpack there. Leon Colby. So, as far as I know, with Leon Colby, there is no date set yet. It's not going to be in Abu Dhabi. That is for sure. I mean, unless something just dramatically changes. It's not going to be in October. Could it happen in November? Sure. But I don't think that's like set just yet because and we will get on to the second topic. It seems like the plan all along was Connor Chandler to headline the December pay-per-view, but now we don't know what the hell's going on with Connor and his return. How's the leg? Yada, yada, yada. So if they can't get Connor in December, I could see Leon Colby headlining the, de- the December card but if we can get something big going on in December we can book something else um, I don't know maybe we get Yuri and Alex Pereira in December seems kind of quick but what if, if they can make that happen not a bad main event that we can slide in cold. it's going to be one of those two cards it's either going to be the co-main event in November or it's going to be the main event in December I think that fight is going to happen this year in one of those two cards. I would like to see it at MSG. Just load that bad boy up. You could do the. Pena Pennington. Women's Bantamweight fight. We get three title fights. Pretty damn cool. I like that idea. But you, you need a You need a main event in December. And I think the UFC is going to do everything in their power. To make sure they don't make that same mistake again. Where they just kind of. Throw things at the wall. Hope something sticks. And their end of the year card is just kind of garbo because that's kind of what it was in the end. And the whole premise of the car was to crown a new champion, and they didn't even accomplish that. So, kind of a tough spot to be in. As far as Connor goes, dude, your guess is as good as mine. Connor is just, he's just on a ramp. He's on a freaking rampage right now. All this stuff with Jake and Nate and Gachy and Poirier and now Floyd. Floyd fight ain't happening. I mean, so basically he's saying, look, I'll fight Chandler if the UFC wants it, but it doesn't seem like they want it anymore. And he might not be wrong. I don't know. I, I don't I honestly have no idea what's going on with it. I have no clue. Chandler thinks he's full of crap. So I'm just going to stay on the corner I've been staying on all along. This is McGregor being just very strange, not himself in a lot of respects, but kind of promoting in a strange way. Because I honestly feel like, what, we got tonight, Ultimate Fighter, and then next week's the last one, I think. So the last – so it's Jason Knight, Kurt Holubo tonight, and then the Rico DeShulo fight will be next week. And then the two winners – and then the finale will be at 292, which would be cool if Rico won because then you'd have a Boston guy on the card fighting in Boston. That would make a lot of sense. But I feel like it's – I feel like either on the final episode, they're going to announce a date. I I just feel – I've kind of felt that way from the beginning. They're just going to say, like, they're fighting in December or they're fighting in January. I don't know. But I do feel like Dana is going to talk about it after Contender Series tonight. He's going to be asked about it. So maybe we'll get more clarity on it. But it just seems like Dana Dana just responds to it the same way. The fight's going to happen. The USADA pool, I don't give an S about it. It's not my thing. Talk to Jeff Davitsky. I don't know. I'm going to remain optimistic that this fight happens. Will it happen this year? I'm not sure. But I, I don't know. I do, feel like, I do feel like ultimately that will be the fight we get. Let's go to Brian. Brian. We got the spinning wheel. The spinning wheel of doom. Oh, there we go. Brian? 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 Okay. I think we got Brian getting in his car. Uh, let's go to Cole. Hi, Cole. Good morning, Mike. I
5: just, I'm just i dying to hear... I just, just tuned in, so I don't know if you already covered it, but I'm dying to hear the story of the whole Amanda Serrano under fiasco with Connor Burks. I just got to hear it. That's all I got.
2: Okay, so... I mean, I don't know if it was addressed in the M.A.R. yesterday. It probably was. So we went out to dinner... I want to say it was Wednesday after open workouts might've been Thursday after the presser we went to a, uh, a Mexican restaurant and it was myself. It was like me and the whole MMA hour crew. And I think Oscar Rose was with us too. And we had a, a, a conversation about the Serrano Heather Hardy fight. I was asking GC about like what bets he was going to make. And he said, he goes, I'm going to slam the Serrano Hardy over eight and a half. And I'm like me and New York Rick, immediately we were like, why? And GC kept saying, well, you know, like, a man is just going to carry her and all that. But I got, like, and I was saying, look, there's a chance that happens, but just seeing Heather Hardy at the workouts and just seeing her walk around and stuff, like, she just looked rough. Like, she looked rough. And... I was like, if Amanda puts forth any effort at all, like she's going to get her out of there. Like I felt per- very confident about it. Like it was going to either going to be a corner stoppage or a doctor stoppage or something like Heather is very durable and tough, but I just think it's going to get really uncomfortable and they're just going to have to go ahead and stop it. And perhaps, I, I mean, I even admitted a bunch that like, I was like, dude, she's going to get her out of there in like three rounds. And I even said afterwards, like eh, maybe I is just getting a little crazy there. But me and me and Rick were like, there's just no chance she's going to make it over eight and a half. And, of course, we were wrong, and GC gets the bragging rights. And the way GC kind of put it all together was, and I didn't even know he changed his bet until I watched the segment on YouTube after the fact, that he ended up changing his bet to the under eight and a half. And I asked him about it afterwards, and he said, well, it's a win-win for me. He goes, either it cashes or I get to – Crap all over you and Rick for talking me out of the correct bet. And he was right. But I could guarantee you, and I haven't talked to GC about this. I saw him for like a couple minutes on Saturday at the card, uh, but I didn't see him after. He was probably feeling pretty good after that first round. I was, I was like, there's no way. Because Amanda was putting it on her in the first round, like it was getting uncomfortable. Like 40 seconds into the fight, I was already uncomfortable watching it. I'm like, this is bad. Heather's got nothing for her. She's just going to get battered. And someone's going to have to save Heather from herself. Now, I give Heather a lot of credit. She was tough. But this was – it was tough to watch because Amanda was just clubbing her around. And, yes, was Heather landing strikes? Sure. But they did nothing to Amanda. And Amanda was just battering her up. Heather looked like a different human being when the fight was over. It was just uncomfortable to watch. And that was kind of, kind of my whole thing. I was like, I just feel like this is going to be one-way traffic and, like, not in a fun way. And that's just how I felt about it. And the fight played out exactly that same way. But credit to Heather Hardy. She hung in there. And credit to Amanda, too. Like, at the end, I, I loved what she had to say to Ariel I love the moment between the two. I love Heather saying that she left it all in there. I would not be surprised if that was Heather Hardy's final fight. It was just a cool moment, and the crowd really, even though she just got run over for 10 rounds, the crowd really appreciated Heather's effort and appreciated what Amanda has done and appreciated what the two of them together have done for women's boxing. So in the end, like GC wants to throw some some shade, he has every right to do. But it actually led to a really cool moment. But wa- watching the fight, honestly, was it was tough to watch. It was uncomfortable. And even like the other, even some of the boxing media that was sitting next to, like I, I was sitting next to Andreas Hale, and even he was like, "Man, this is this is tough to watch." And sorry, GC. Sorry, buddy. I'm sure I'll I'll get more face-to-face with him next Saturday at the 292 watch party. But, yeah, yep, we were wrong, and he was right. Brian, hello. Do we have you? Brian. No, we do not. How about Momenala? Yes, sir. Hello. How are
6: you doing? Good, how are you, man? Good, I'm good. I was just wondering, what do you think is next for Michael Chandler? Because he said that he thinks the the fight with with Conor is off. So, what do you think is next for next for Michael Chandler? And what, like, uh, what are your thoughts on the Sean Strickland Adesanya fight?
2: Wait a second. When did he say? When did Chandler say the fight was off?
6: I mean, like, uh, not alpha, but sorry for the confusion. He said, like, uh, the UFC, uh, they're not interested to to make the fight. So, I mean, like, what do you... Oh, Conor said that. Yeah, Conor said that. My mistake, man. It's just... All good. All good. Yeah, man. So... What was the other question? uh, What are your thoughts on uh, if Sean Strickland and Adesanya actually uh, have the official fight? What, What are your official predictions for that
2: fight? All right, cool. Thank you, sir. Um, I, I, honestly, like I said before, I, I do feel like ultimately this fight will be made. Because, I mean, I would feel awful for Michael Chandler. I really would. You can feel however you feel about the man, but you got to feel rough. And I honestly, like, I know Ariel was talking about it on the MMA hour yesterday. I hope they got that in writing, man. Like I really hope that when they signed on to be on the Ultimate Fighter, that it's not that that the fine print said it was a guarantee that he gets the Connor fight. Because otherwise, what's the point? Why are you even doing this? If you're not going to get the fight, why leave your family and do the show? Chandler seems like the the type of dude that would just do the show because he wants to give back. I can see that, but. If you're going to tease a Conor fight, one that he's wanted since he got to the UFC, and then it doesn't happen, like, that'd be wild. I would feel pretty awful for him. And then what's he going to do? Fight freaking Armin Sarukian? Sheesh. That's, that's a tough spot for him to be in. It's a tough spot for him to be in. But ultimately, I do think that fight will get done. I do, th- I do feel like that's going to get done. Uh, Strickland's getting the shot at Adesanya. Look, we've been talking. I we've been talking about this for months. That I felt that this is going to this was going to be the fight, even before Drickus fought Robert Whitaker, I said Strickland was probably going to win. After Strickland beat Abus, I'm like he's going to he's going to get the title shot. There's no chance either. of Those guys are going to be able to turn around. And I know Barstool reported that it's all but done, and from what I understand, they're not wrong. But it's not like... It's not done. It's not wrapped and packed. It, it's, not to, it's not at a place where it should have been reported. I'll say that. Like, we talk about the golden rule all the time. That fight is not on mafighting.com. It's not done. We haven't gotten past... We're close. I would say in the football field of fight-making, this is uh, this is kind of the aerial thing. I would say... I don't know if we're in the red zone yet, but pretty close. Maybe on like the 22-yard line heading into the end zone. We could kick a field goal from here. At least get points on the board. I would say... Maybe by the end of the day, we'll be like in the red zone. I don't know. It seems like both sides are in. They like the idea of it, but there are other factors in play as well. So to say it's sufficient, to report it is premature to report it. It was premature to report it. I would, my guess is, and I I have no insights this whatsoever. My guess is this was this was a UFC like giving them this and then they just put it out there? That's my guess? I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. I know there is a partnership there between the UFC and Barstool, so that would not surprise me at all. But yeah, I mean, it's not an inaccurate report. And in fact, the way they actually presented it, it's pretty spot on, but... It was still kind of early to, to put that out there. But I would be surprised. I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if we don't get out of Sonia Strickland. So that's the latest on that. Um, there's still I's to be dotted, T's to be crossed. Um, I wouldn't say... Like, I, I didn't even probably get the... Uh, closer in the works. But yeah, that, seemed, that, that, that seems to be what's going to happen, long story short. So... How do I think the fight's going to go? I think Izzy's going to beat him. That's it. And then he'll fight DDP, and there you go. Strickland will get a title shot. He'll get a nice bag of money. That arena's already sold out without even announcing a main event, which is insane. And Strickland's probably going to go five rounds with Izzy and lose a pretty lopsided decision. That's what I think. The fight week's going to be bananas. It's going to be very Paul Diaz-esque hopefully these two are going to get to a press conference and strickland's going to get booed out of the building and he's going to use it as fuel he's going to love it he's going to have the best time of his life and then he's going to lose like a 49-46 decision to izzy and izzy will go on and fight ddp sometime next year and there you have it all right we'll try brian one more time do we have you brian? all right i think third time's a charm thanks mike Yep, I got you. Uh, two things real quick. Uh, One, which
0: press conference do you think would be uh, uglier, the Strickland, Izzy, or DDP and Izzy, Uh, like, you know, like verbally wise? And then second off, uh, I do agree, Henry Cejudo, I hate to say this, he definitely won the weekend. God, I hate saying that. But uh, I would say the number two person that people really aren't looking at, I think it kind of cleared a path that maybe took a fight or two off for Song Yedong to get to the title shot. What do you think is like a realistic fight for him next? Do you think he might turn around and just rebook the Rob Font fight later in the year, or do you think he could possibly, maybe if like Cheeto loses
2: uh, to Pedro, maybe he gets Cheeto off that? Just wanted your opinion on that. Thanks, Mike. I think uh, I think you nailed it. I think they're going to rebook the Rob Font fight. That's what I think will happen. Maybe the maybe by the end of the year. I don't know if Rob's going to want to turn around and fight again in December, but. Kinda think Rob wants to get back on the horse, right? I don't know what kind of injuries Rob sustained or anything like that, but I'm sure Rob kind of just wants to get right back in there. Um, hopefully I'll get to talk to Rob when I'm in Boston next week. Gonna work on I'm gonna see if I can work on something kind of cool in Boston. Something I've wanted to do for a long time. And I've kind of wanted to do with Rob and and Cater and the and the cartel guys. I think, and I, hopefully we can make it happen. Hopefully we can make it happen. I'd love to, to make it happen. But more on that, if I can actually put it together. I didn't want to really put that out there and really go crazy until I actually speak to them. And I didn't want to bug either of those guys just yet. But probably in the next couple of days, I'm going to put that out into, in, into their into their universe and see if we can make it happen. But yeah, Song Yudong, Rob Font seems to make all the sense in the world to me. Just go right back to that, Will. Jay stat do we have you? You too, man. Um, what, what is next for Jared Kananier? Because I think he's in, like, a weird spot in the middleweight division. Like, what, what do you see next for Jared Kananier? That would be all. Boy, is that a question. Um, I would guess that Jared, Jared Kananir will have to fight Ikram Alaskarov if Ikram Alaskarov beats Nashardin Imovov in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. I it was it was real interesting to see where Cannoneer was after beating Marvin Vittori. Like, give him the Hamzat fight, and then if you ever want to get back to a title, like go fight Hamzat. I actually thought that fight made a lot of sense, but somehow it didn't happen, and now we're getting Hamzat versus Paul Costa, which should have been the fight to make from the get go. I didn't understand the Alice Garrett booking, and as I told you. As soon as they announce that fight, there's no chance that fight happens and it's not happening. So now I have no I have no idea. It feels like Alice Garoff will be the guy because I am picking Alice Garoff to beat Nasr D. Nemovov. Maybe do Brendan Allen? Could do Brendan Allen? Maybe, but I don't know. Canonier is Canadair is trying to swing for the fences here. Because he wants, he's like, I'm only taking a fight that's just going to get me a title shot. I think he's he's in just a super tough spot. The fight was Hamzad. Like, that was it. Nothing else really is going to get him there. He already lost to Whitaker. He beat Vittori. Strickland's probably going to fight Izzy. DDP is going to fight the winner. Costa's fighting Hamzat. Derek Brunson's fighting Roman Delize. Then there's what? Jack Hermanson? Imova's booked. Chris Curtis is booked. Brandon Allen? Maybe Paul Craig? I don't know. But I think, honestly, I think air wishes he pushed for that Hamzat fight a little bit more. As opposed to what happened where it's just like, Well, if he doesn't get me to a title fight, I ain't fighting him. But if it gets me a guaranteed title shot, I'd fight him. He's in a really tough spot. That's a great question. I have no idea what's going to happen with Kieran But my guess is if Alex beats Imovov in October, which I think he's going to, he's going to have to kind of fight that dude. And yikes. It's tough. I'll answer your other question in a second.
0: And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
2: Daniel, hello. Daniel. Okay, we don't have, Daniel didn't get in, I don't think. Do we have you, Daniel? You're muted. No, it's not working. Um. So someone had asked if uh w- which which presser is going to be worse? Is it going to be Izzy DDP or Izzy Strickland? It's Izzy DDP by a mile. Strickland's going to say some stuff. Things are going to get a little uncomfortable. We kind of know what we're going to get from Strickland. DDP, it's just going to be kind of rough on a different kind of a level. So, yeah, I'm confident saying DDP, but Strickland will be just kind of weird and wild. And we'll get uncomfortable at times, but in a different kind of a way. Daniel, do we have you?
4: Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yeah, I guess. Perfect. You. Never had problems with Twitter. I guess X is giving me problems now. Uh, Damn you, X. <laughs> just got uh, two quick ones for you, quick PFL talk. Uh, how about Jesus Pinedo? Uh, I mean, this guy takes out two of the biggest stars in the promotion, is now fighting for $1 million. And, I mean, when I say take out, I mean, what what a two finishes he's had. Uh, just curious on your overall thoughts on his performance this season and, and if you think he completes the Cinderella story. Um, and then just the last question here, contender series tonight, with how the last couple of seasons of tough have gone, it just feels like viewership's low too, especially this season. I'm just curious how important you think like the creation of this show was for the UFC. Uh, I don't know. I, I personally feel like this might just kind of take over what tough kind of originally had. But um, yeah, appreciate it, Mike. Have a top of the morning.
2: Thanks, man. Yeah, Potato's good, man. It's good. He's real good. And once again, Bubba Jenkins. The bridesmaid and not the bride. It's crazy. Dude has been so close. Just so close to getting over that hump, and he hasn't been able to do it. He's like the featherweight Jason Jackson. Like Jason Jackson fi- is, seems to be getting there now. Like he's finally on a nice run. He's got confidence. He can win the big the big fight against the big name. Bubba just can't get there. It's wild. Janey just iced him, man. He's good, but he has to make weight. He has to figure that out. He has to figure that out. If he misses weight for the final, like a point, we're going to take a point away. No, that's not going to work here. He should be like out of the tournament and the dude should just win. Like it ain't going to be pretty and people are going to be mad about that, but that's just, it's just an advantage. Oh, we're going to take a point away. Great. So what? What? There's got to be more. You can't just do that. So he's got to get the weight thing under control. He's got to figure that part out. But yes, looks good. Contender Series back tonight. Yes. Um, Cesar Almeida in the main event. Looking forward to that. Uh, I'm very high on Tom Nolan as a prospect. Really like this kid. He's only 23. He is humongous. Six foot three lightweight, tremendous movement. I really like this guy a lot. Another guy that can kind of go on the Australia-New Zealand scene. He's he's one of the guys on this entire season that I'm that I'm looking forward to. We got Kayo Machado. Reyes Cortez, Tracy Cortez's brother is back on. He's gonna get another shot. Victor Diaz. <sighs> I mean, I think it's kind of replaced tough, and I think it's been that way for a while. But here's the thing. I used to love the Contender series. I still like it. I still like it, but I don't love it anymore because you asked the, you asked the question that is perfectly well-worded. What has this show done for the UFC? What it has done... Is it has helped them from a business perspective in terms of paying fighters and reaping the benefits of it because they're getting paid to put the show on the platform. They get to sign fighters off of the show and pay them a very minimum wage when it comes to their contracts with the biggest fight promotion in the world 10 and 10, 12 and 12, however it may be. That's what these guys are getting. And when this show first started, when we first got the, the the contender series, I was skeptical of what it was. I loved the concept, but I wasn't sure what it was really going to be. And then the first season happened in 2017, and I was like, "This is the shit! I love it." We had Kurt Hollibo map a set in the first main event. We had Azuna and Yanwu, Greg Ribello, Boston Salmon, Ricky Tercios, Charles Bird, Jamie Pickett, Joby Sanchez, Manny Vasquez. That was the first contender series card. And at the time where I was like, holy shit, in terms of like prospects, this is, or not even prospects, it's just guys trying to get into the UFC. That card was incredible on paper. And only like a couple of guys got contracts. The second episode. The second episode. Dan Spahn, Sean O'Malley, Ton Lee, Sydney Outlaw, Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny. That's sick. Ton Lee had like a sick finish on contender series lands a head kick gets a knockout didn't get a contract and at that point i was like huh how the hell did he not get a contract but this is a time where you had to do something like spectacular like you it wasn't just about winning fights it was about like having it all like the five tool player almost and Tom Lee couldn't get a contract. That's how stiff the competition was back then. Like, you had to do something to wow everybody. Look, look at this. Like I'm, I'm just looking at the lineup right now. I'm looking at the lineups for 2017. Here's, 20, here's the third episode of the 2017 season. Carl Roberson versus Ryan Spann. Roberson, 15-second KO. Kyle Stewart, Jason Jackson, Jeff Neal, Chase Walden, Alonzo Menafield, Daniel Jolly, Dan Ige, Luis Gomez. That was week three of the first season. Week four, we got Julian Marquez, Kyler Phillips, Carlos Candelario, Brandon Davis, John Castaneda. A lot of those guys won their fights, did not get a contract. Didn't get a contract. Now it's like all you got to do is win. And you know what? I'll take it a step further. You don't even have to win to get a contract anymore. You just have to be competitive. If Dana feels like you're on the wrong side of a split decision, he's going to give you a contract. It's not the same show. It's not the same show. And I get why. Well, then we could just cut a bunch of the high price fighters because we just signed six dudes off of one show. Last year I had some hope. We had the Joe Piper episode. Joe Piper rolls a dude, and Dana White goes up to talk to Laura Senko and was like, "Look, if you don't, if you show up on Tuesday night and you don't have it, like you're not getting a contract. Be Joe Piper. Joe gets contract only guy." I was like, "Okay, we're back." And then what happened? They gave away a record amount of contracts. So just the stakes aren't as dire anymore. You just got to, All you got to do is win. All you got to do is go in there and win. It drives me insane. So to answer your question, yeah, it kind of has replaced tough, but it almost is tough in a lot of ways. Because I can assure you that even though they're only going to give away two contracts, I would be stunned if like half the show doesn't get shots at the UFC. I'd be stunned. And I get it. But man, I hope the contender series is a little bit more. You got to do more to get a contract this season because I miss those days. Anderson hello.
4: Hey Mike, I just had to call in cuz you're you're talking about Contender season 1 which is uh like uh, one of my favorite things that they did and and so underrated but I actually have a crazy story about it is uh one of my best friends growing up his older brother fought on Contender season 1. Um, and he's actually the guy who got me into uh MMA and all that he was showing us Liddell videos like 2005 2006 so he fought Jimmy Cruz. it was a slug fest and uh he 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 got a TKO and lost and for him at the time that was like he made the UFC because it was contender season one it was like nobody knew that it was not quite the UFC yet. Like Sean O'Malley was on there. There are all these big fighters fighting from around the world. So people should go back to watch that first season and see all the great fights and the top quality prospects from around the world that the ufc used to pull for these fights and then compare it to now where it's just like hey these are two decent guys whoever wins can get an entry-level contract which is a completely different thing and like if they want to run a ufc minor league they should just do that you know it's not contender series then so anyway just wanted to uh drop that little one and uh talk to you later mike great show
2: again yeah, man. I-, I miss those days where they're only like you know, they were giving away two, maybe three. Here's episode eight. They gave away three contracts. Matt Frivola, who had a nasty submission in the main event. We had Bevan Lewis, who got a finish on the card, did not get a contract. Alan Crowder got a contract after a comeback win against Dante Mays, and Lauren Mueller got a contract winning a decision but that was more of hey 135 needs some help so that's what we're doing and that's what it was like is we either need to fill a spot or we just we have to take this guy we have to take him i'm looking at week 1 right now only two guys got contracts week 1 kurt hollobo and boston salmon both got contracts just two and there were a bunch of finishes on that card The Sean O'Malley episode, Sean O'Malley's the only one that got a contract. The only one. Week three, Danny Ige got a finish, didn't get a contract. Alonzo Menafield got a finish, didn't get a contract. Kyle Stewart got a finish, didn't get a contract. Jeff Neal got a contract. Carl Roberson got a contract. See the difference? Week four, John Cassideta, no contract. Brand Davis, that was crazy fight with Austin Arnett. He got a contract. Candelaria got a win, no contract. Kyler Phillips had a 46 second finish and didn't get a contract. Julian Marquez contract. That's how it was. So different. Week five, Mike Rodriguez, nasty flying knee knockout got a contract. Julio Arce got a second round finish, nasty knockout, no contract. Ricky Simone, no contract. Sheldon Graves, finish, no contract. Alex Perez, contract. I miss those days so much. I miss those days so much. Week six, Charles Berg, contract. Grant Dawson, contract. Cameron Olsen, no contract. Jamie Alvarez, no contract. Jamie Colleen, finish, no contract. Week seven, Kennedy and Chuchukwu, no contract. Jordan Espinoza, submission in less than 90 seconds. No contract. Mike Santiago, three-minute knockout, no contract. Benito Lopez, that fight with Steven Peterson was pretty good. Contract. Joby Sanchez, contract. God, bring me back. Bring me back. Bring you back to season one. You give me that every time. You give me that every season, and I will be the biggest Contender Series fan of all time. I loved it so much the first two seasons. And then it just became, you win and you're in. And I hate it. I hate it. It's good for the fighters, but it's just not the same show anymore. Latino Heat, hello.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: Hello and good morning, first thing foremost. Um, so what do you think is gonna happen, or what's Nate Diaz next move? Do you think he's gonna box more, more because the bag is more lucrative and more big in boxing, or is he gonna go fight Jake Paul in PFL? But he has stated that co-promote with PFO, but I, which I believe PFO would never do co-promote with a promotion that has never had a an event yet as of today. So what I'm asking is just
2: basically, what do you think is Nate Diaz's next move? Well, if PFL if PFL puts their feet in the sand and say we're not willing to co-promote with Real Fight Inc., then they are the dumbest promotion in the world. Like, they are just dumb. Do you understand? Like, if you think that you are too big to do that, then you are naive, as naive as I think you are, and I think PFL is th- at the highest level of naivety in the history of in the history of MMA. The way they they talk, the way they tweet, the way they say things, like you act like you're knocking on the door of being the number one promotion in the world when in fact you're not even number two. Like you are not the clear number two right now, and even if they somehow merge with Bellator, you're still barely number two. And there are a lot of people who watch one who feel like one is the better product right now. And you know what? They're probably not wrong. They're probably not wrong. But to big time Nate Diaz's company, after what they just did, Don Davis and company were there. Peter Murray, Don Davis, they were in Dallas. How could you watch, how could you sit in that crowd Watched how that fight played out. Listen to the crowd. Seeing a sold-out American Airlines center, almost 20,000 people in the building, a turn-away crowd, and not think to co-promote. You know what Jake Paul did? He co-promoted. He co-promoted. And because they did that, the event was as big as it was. They would be absolutely insane to not co-promote. And guess what? If the, if the world wants to see Nate Diaz versus Jake Paul in an MMA fight, the PFL is going to have to co-promote. You think Nate Diaz is going to take that fight without a co-promotion, even if they offer him $10 million? Guess what? He's not going to. He's not going to. He's going to want more. He's going to want $20 million, and he should ask for $20 million. Nate's the A-side to all of this. It's not Jake. Jake wasn't the a side to the boxing match. Nate was. Nate was, and you heard it in the crowd. If Jake fought anybody else from the MMA world, it's nowhere near this. They're not selling out the American Airlines Center. Not a chance. No chance at this point with where this whole Jake Paul thing is going. So I think the PFL is insane if they don't. If they're not already on the phone with Nate's manager already talking about how to do this, offering Nate more money and a co-promotion, then they are just not doing it right. That they have screwed the pooch. And I'll tell you what, if Nate doesn't go to PFL, if this fight is not made, then PFL made a massive error. A gigantic error. They should be already already in talks on how to put this all together. Having said that, I feel like you're right. I feel like PFL is just going to be like, nah, we're too big for that. And Nate's just going to be like, okay, bye-bye. And he will never fight Jake and MMA. Never. Because he will go back to the UFC. He will go back to the UFC, and he will promote his own stuff on the side. And make a whole bunch of money doing it. Here's the, like, Nate doesn't need PFL. Nate doesn't even need the UFC. Nate is just fine. Nate made a lot of money on Saturday night. A lot. I don't know what the disclosed thing is. I'm hearing somewhere in the neighborhood of $20 million all said and done. That's what I'm hearing. And it would not surprise you if that's the case. Now, could there be disclosed pay? Sure. But I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into this from a co-promotional end, a pay-per-view buy-end. And I bet that thing did really pretty well on pay-per-view. And a piece of that gate too. They did like a three point something million dollar gate in Dallas. That's insane. For a, a fight with Jake Paul, his Dave Diaz's first boxing match. That's a, that's friggin' nuts. That is nuts. So if if I have to guess what's next for Nate Diaz, I think he goes to the UFC. I think he returns. I think Nate, I think Nate saw that the grass was greener. Over there when it came comes to what to expect on fight week. I think Nate hated Fight Week up until the fight. And maybe maybe the last weigh-in, he hated the press conference. I could tell you that. He hated it all. He was legitimately pissed off about that Derek from Better Kid being allowed to have a microphone and ask questions. When Nate stood up after that. Nate was going to jump off the stage and smack that dude around like dead serious. And you could see like him battling internally with whether or not he should jump off the stage and just beat the hell out of this little, this little asshole down there. But he cooler heads prevailed. and He didn't do that. Now, did he say some things he probably shouldn't have? Yes. But I think he did that for a reason. Honestly, I think he did that to piss off everybody, piss off Nikisa, piss off Jake, piss off the zone. Be like, oh, you know what? You guys want to put this dude a microphone in that dude's hands? Fine. Watch what I'm about to do to piss you off right back. MVP does a good job uh, with a lot of things. There is, they have a lot to work on, a lot. Um, Presser could have been better. That Derek from Better Kid getting a microphone was a travesty. Absolute travesty. Even on the night of the fights, like, I don't know if you you guys may have watched, you may not have. We tried to go live at the post-fight press conference. We couldn't do it. We had to cut the stream for two reasons. One, we couldn't plug into the box because it was eight miles away. And when we could plug into the box, the box didn't work. The audio box. Which is fine because sometimes... You just go off what the audio that's coming in into the room. And despite me asking 800 times for them to turn up the volume, they didn't, and they didn't give a shit. And I was annoyed to no end by that. You have to care about that stuff. You have to. You have to. People are trying to watch and see what these fighters are saying, and you can't hear them. Like, come on. you got to be better at that. You have to be better at that. But I think Nate understood, like, with the UFC Fight Weeks, you show up, this day you do this, this day you do this, this day you do this, then you fight, and then you go home. We don't need you to do this. We don't need you to do that. And I think Nate kind of missed that. Missed that organization. Because you can say what you want about the UFC. I say... I'm honest about the UFC. If they do something bad, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say that they did something bad, but they did something good. I'm going to tell you they did something good. When you cover a UFC event, they are a – they're a friggin' machine, man. They are a well-oiled A-plus machine. When they say something is going to happen, it is going to happen. If they say the doors open at noon, they open at noon. They don't open at 1230. They open at noon. When media day starts on this time, it starts that time, sometimes earlier. That was not the case with this event. There's a lot of unorganization going on. Having said that, it was a rousing success. But for Nate, I think he goes to the UFC. I think he fights Dustin Poirier. Then he fights Conor McGregor. And then he doesn't fight in the UFC anymore. I think the UFC sees value in Nate. I think they saw that his stock... Remains the same. He gave Jake some fits. There are people who thought Nate got robbed on Saturday night. I don't agree with that. Even Nate th- even Nate didn't think he got robbed. But I thought the I thought it was closer than the scores. I thought Nate, I thought you could make a case for Nate winning round two. I scored it for Jake. I thought Nate clearly won round four. Paul had a 10-8 round five. And if we're talking about the last five rounds, I mean, you can make a case that Nate won two of them, maybe three. So I think he ends up back in the UFC. He's gonna fight Poirier, fights McGregor, and then he's out of there. And then just fights under his own promotion. He might just do he might just fight under his own deal. The way Connor's being right now, let Connor fight out his last two fights and then him and Connor could do their own fight co-promote together there's value in that a lot of it so but nate's not gonna box jake over there and he's not going to pfl no matter how much they offer him without a co-promotion nope i would be stunned if that happens if he's just i signed with the pfl to fight jake paul and there's no co-promotion i i think there's zero chance that happens adib hello
1: Hey,
7: hey, Mike. How you doing? I hope you're doing good. Um, I just wanted to talk about Tatiana Suarez. I mean, for her to come back so well and beat Jessica Andrade, she's beaten Alexa Grosso, the champion previously. I mean, what a return! What a story! She previously fought cancer. In my opinion, she could easily go down in the future as one of the greatest women fighters of all time because she's just she's basically a Habib in the females division. And, I mean, it's just incredible to watch a fight, the way she dismount, dismantled Jessica Andrade. And I believe you just throw her for the title next. You just give her the winner of Jessica, sorry, the winner of Weili Zhang and uh, Amanda Lemosh, and then we go from there. Uh, what do you think is the next step for her? Do you think she just needs another fight, maybe? And then we can test her maybe uh, a two against Carlos Barza, although she did kill Carlos Barza in her first fight. It wasn't even close, and she beat her in the wrestling. So um, what is your thoughts on it, and what do you have to say about it?
2: Thanks, man. I agree with a lot of what you just said. Tatiana is going to be a champion at some point. I don't th- – it's no ga- – she's not going to fight for the belt next, I don't think. If if Now, if Amanda Lemos wins, if Amanda Lemos beats Zhang Lee next Saturday, then yes, I think she will fight for the belt. But if Zhang Wei Li retains, they're going to do the Yang Jana fight for sure. That's just a that's a giant fight. Two women from the same mark, two women from China. You do that over in Asia. You do it in Singapore, wherever. Gigantic fight, huge, historical for that area. So they will go to that route, one thousand percent. If Zhang wins, and I expect her to win, the fight to make is Tatiana Suarez versus Mackenzie Dern. That's the fight. Do that. Do that. Mackenzie wants to get to a title fight. Beating Angela Hill ain't gonna get you there. But if you beat Tatiana Suarez, you're probably getting a shot next. That's her quickest path to the belt. And if Tatiana beats Mackenzie Durham, which I would expect her to, there you go. Now you have another like really strong name on the on the resume. So yeah. That's that's what I think is going to end up happening. She's going to have to fight again. Carl is pregnant, so she, I don't know when Carl's going to be able to fight again. And I'm not really all that interested in watching them two fight again because I think the result will be the, the same, if not worse. So yeah, I mean Tatiana Suarez versus Mackenzie Dern is a fight night main event, easily. That's an apexy main event if there ever was one. So go ahead and go ahead and do that. But if Lamos does win, sure. Give Tati another shot. All right. We'll go to N writer 97. Then I got to go. What's up N writer. Are you there? You're muted. Nrider. writer. Oh, can you hear me?
5: Yep. I got you. all right. Sorry about that. So I have a somewhat, okay. uh, unconventional opinion here. I, uh, I, believe most people will not agree with this but i'm just throwing it out there i don't know what you guys will think so um my opinion is that the ufc should probably separate men and women's cards because as we see the women's cards the women fights usually aren't up to scratch and amanda nunez she was the best fighter that the women has ever had she's gone Nobody really cares for many of the women fights outside of Whaley Zhang now in 2023. A lot of the main superstars that the women have had, they're gone. Nobody really cares anymore, at least in my circles that I speak to. I know a lot of people online, they'll they'll try to defend it with their life. But um, I think the majority of people, they're not tuning in. They're not too excited for these women fights. And honestly, when they, they they put a women fight on the main card, nobody wants that. I, And I think at UFC, I think they know this, but um, I think they would, really, that's why they don't want to separate the cards. But if they did separate the cards, they would really know who cares about the women's fights. If there was a full women card, I don't think many people would tune in. So I just think them bringing in the women it has saturated the cards a little bit and it's lowered the quality i don't know what you think about that i know it's probably offensive to say that but
2: that's just my opinion um no i don't i don't, I don't agree with that um i mean it's your opinion i'm not gonna sit here and shit on you for it but uh, i don't agree with that at all look i mean t- one of the best fights in the history of the sport were, came from two women. jean Li, Lee, Ioannis, and Jacek is one, of the, is one of the five best fights in the history of MMA. It might be number one. I don't think it's number one, but it's in the top five. It should be on everybody's top five list. So I, I don't agree with that. Um, and the watering down of the cards has nothing to do with women. It has to do with the UFC and this deal that they have. We have to put people on cards. So it waters down the... Pro, like the, the Apex events water down the freaking product. Look at this card. Look at this card coming up. There's some good fights on here. Vicente Luque, Rafael DeSantos, fine. Cub Swanson, Hakeem Duadu, fine. Khalil Roundtree, Chris okay. And then we got Pollyanna, Viana, Yasmin Lucindo. I actually like that fight a lot. I'm very high on Yasmin Lucindo. And then we go f- from that to Tefan and Chukwi, AJ Dobson, Josh Fremd, Jamie Pickett. These are all contender series fighters. I think Josh Fremd was a looking for a fight guy. Marcus McGee, JP Bays, Terrence McKinney, Mike Breeden. These are contender series guys. The- Francis Marshall, Isaac Dolgarian again. Josh Parisian, Martin Boudet. Look at this. Monster at Ruiz. On, listen to this. On this card alone on Saturday, two of the top six most interesting fights on the card are the women's fights Monster at Ruiz, Jacqueline Anamarim. Interesting fight. Damon Blackshear, Jose Johnson. Again, we're just watering down the cards. And then we have Juliana Miller, Luana Santos. Fine. But no, I don't agree with that. I actually feel... Because there were talks that that San Antonio card in March was going to be... Like an all-women's card. There were talks about that. Uh, It didn't end up happening. But there were talks about doing that. And it's not like we're getting seven women's fights on a 12-fight card. We're not. So... And I can assure you, when we get to the Paris card, what's the fight we're going to be talking about the most? Are we going to be talking about Cyril Ghosn versus Sergei Spivak? No. Are we going to be talking about Rose Namajunas going up to 125 to fight Fioro? Yep. That will be the story of the entire fight week. That will be the fight of the week. Everyone's going to be talking about that fight. So no, I don't agree with that. You are you are more than okay to have your opinion, uh, but I don't agree with that. If you make the case for watering down cards, hate the women that's that's doing it. It's the deal. It's too many fights. It's too many fight cards. The fact that we have to have fifteen goddamn fights on every single card every single weekend is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's Insanity. It's absolutely nuts. But. All right. Well, we are done. I got to go. Holy shit. It's 1120. All right. I got to get out of here. Thank you all very much. We'll be back on Thursday. We will continue on uh, with everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, MMA hour tomorrow. Do not miss that. I have a few, I've, I've been told there's. Could be some things happening. Some some news, perhaps. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm, I'm hearing rumblings. So it should be a good show. We'll be back on Thursday. BTL back on Thursday as well. We'll have a live show. And then Friday, the the huge. We'll have a... Back on this show, we'll have a preview show for UFC Vegas 78. And then all the coverage throughout the weekend. And then we're going to be... Hashtag ship it up to Boston... For UFC 292, 292, I will be there. Jose will be there. Jose will be there start to finish. I will be there start to ceremonial weigh-ins. And then I will go to New York on Saturday morning for the watch party with my man GC. So thank you all very much. Busy times ahead. Hope you all enjoyed it. Back back on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on Heck of a Morning. Thanks for being here.
0: don't miss the action live at Noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts.